Welcome to the Tony Stewart Get Ready podcast in partnership with Insurance Nerds. I'm pleased to be joined today by Cheryl Garrett. In this episode, we'll be discussing career transitions and specific issues that women should consider about financial preparedness. Cheryl's the founder of Garrett Planning Network and has been dubbed the All-American Planner because of her zealous mission to help make competent, objective financial advice accessible to all people. She's been recognized six times by Investment Advisor Magazine as one of the most influential people in financial planning. Uh, For the inaugural Investment News Icon and Innovation issue, Cheryl was one of 18 recipients of the 2016 Innovator Award, along with being the 2019 Icon. Financial Planning Magazine in 2010 honored six practitioners that have made significant contributions in the financial planning industry. Uh, And this just list goes on. Cheryl's one of the most influential people in the financial services industry. Uh, On top of that, Cheryl's also been- And I'm so young. (laughs) Aren't we all? Uh, So, um, you know, so this list could go on for a while, but we actually wanted to get into some questions. Uh, We could just talk about Cheryl's background for 45 minutes. A couple other points. Oh, please, let's not. (laughs) (laughs) The biography is next week. Uh, Cheryl's also also been honored to work with the House Subcommittee on Financial Services regarding predatory lending regulation and has testified before Congress on financial literacy, Social Security, and fiduciary reform. She's a founding member of the Committee for the Fiduciary Standard, which Advocacy resulted in a shout-out by President Barack Obama in 2015, which we'll get into in a little bit later because that is just very cool. Uh, In addition, Cheryl's authored, co-authored, and served as a technical editor on over a dozen books and several magazine columns. Uh, Names of Cheryl's books will be in the show notes. So let's get right into it. Um, Cheryl, good morning. Good morning. So glad to be here with you, Tony. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm just thrilled to have you on. Um, And so you want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Oh, gosh, where do we want to start? You mean my day job? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's get Um, into the day job. It's the focus on the day job part. You know, if you can't have fun doing whatever you're doing, it's it's not even worth it. Um, I currently, and for the last few years, have gotten to focus most of my entire activities on being spokesperson and visionary for the Garrett Planning Network, which is a nationwide network of hourly-based financial advisors, financial planners. So we're holistic financial planners. Um, um, Some people may have expertise in, in various different areas, but one of the main things that we focus on is Um, making competent, objective advice accessible to all people. There's always been, or at least for a good number of years here, there's been great advice available to those who had lots of money but or lots of money to manage um, or a big need that we could Mm -hmm. fill with, um, um, you know, an insurance product or an investment product or or both. Um, But sometimes people need things about their their um, financial planning lives that may or may not involve the products. Um, and so it's kind of looking at everything from a holistic viewpoint, and then we turn to the specialist to fill those voids um, 
um, for specific insurance or investments or tax or, you know, hey, in my book, I outsource everything if it's complicated tax because it's not something I enjoy. Um, so we pride ourselves in being, um, you know, really <clears throat> uh, the, the, the important part is making a great connection with the client, um, figuring out what it is to help them um, do what it is they have shared with us that they want to accomplish. And then, um, you know, identifying what needs to be done what what services and, and products and strategies would be appropriate, and then we help them find uh, those resources. So um, we can't we can't do everything for people, but we can help work as kind of um, well, you know everyone uses the term quarterback. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. this is this is the sense where you may be the quarterback, um, but you are using all of your specialty teams <laughs> um, yeah. in the in the game almost exclusively. The quarterback's not running the game. They're just uh, facilitating the moves um, yeah. on behalf of the client. So uh, we're fiduciaries. Um, we charge for our time. Um, we um, work on a fee-only basis. Um, some of our members also do assets under management, um, but they have the bench strength um, and the skills and the desire to do so. It's not all that common within our membership. Most of us provide investment advice, um, insurance advice, um, um, and you know traditional financial planning type of guidance, but we do have to turn and like um, and you know this is something that you and I, Tony, have talked about for years of um, getting people within the financial services industry to um, utilize each other. You know the, the various specialists within the industry is. Financial planning uh, or the, the subject matter in financial services is so diverse that no one, well, okay, I can think of like three or four human beings I've ever met that truly are walking encyclopedias. But for mm -hmm. the rest of us, um, having um, those specialists and knowing where to turn to get those experts in various areas and coordinate those on behalf of the client or, or know who, who we would turn to for various goods and services is also a critical um, point of how we work with clients. So we don't try to be everything for everybody. Um, most people who are just getting started, they might be middle income clientele, um, they're, they need to be frugal. Um, mm -hmm. They can't afford, or at least in my book, they shouldn't afford um, um, unless they have extenuating circumstances like cognitive decline or, or uh, maybe they're just busy professionals and can't justify doing this legwork themselves. But the majority of folks that I've met with and worked with over time, uh, true middle Americans, you know, you know, these would be like the millionaires next door, maybe five to mm -hmm. 15 years before they hit that millionaire status, or maybe they've already hit it. Heck, if they live in California, they, they have hit it because of the price of their home um, and estate values between insurance and the house. You know, um, the concept of millionaire is, <laughs> it's kind of like 60 is the new 40. <laughs> yeah. uh, millionaire um, is just uh, maybe like middle, middle income um, for many of of us. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you have to be a multimillionaire um, or something more, much more than that. So um, definitely when I'm speaking of millionaires, um, I'm still thinking of the millionaire next door personality.
Yeah, well, I think that's very true. And I, I, I love your point about the quarterback and not being able to do everything and to remember that each of us brings a specific set of skills and mm-hmm. we're doing our clients a real service when we concentrate on what we do best and outsource mm-hmm. those areas uh, because then we can spend yeah. more time helping more people with our specific skills. So, you know, exactly. It, very, very well put. Um, if you don't mind, I want to oh, share a little story about it. a gentleman that I used to work with in Kansas City. I, I, I live in Eureka Springs, Arkansas now, um, since I do everything online and on the web, you know, you can be wherever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was working with individual clients in the Kansas City area, um, I had a gentleman and um, that he specialized in elder care insurance. And... Okay. Uh, his name's Michael. He's still in the in the business and everything. It's just I'm I'm no longer working with individual clients, and I'm no longer in the Kansas City market. But um, the relationship I had with Michael and and he and I had with the clients that we mutually served was was wonderful. And there are there are many times where I might go to a regional or national firm um, to or direct my clients to that outlet, um, many times I need and want, and the clients need and want a local connection, somebody they can Mm -hmm. sit down with, and especially, you know, something like long-term care, possibly even disability insurance, Um, certain certain types um, really need that expertise, Um, and so I I contacted Michael about um, a client situation where I felt long-term care would be long-term care insurance would be extremely appropriate. Um, So I talked to the clients about what I felt would be appropriate and that I would like them to speak with Michael to get that implemented. And they said, yes, we will speak with him. And, and I got a call um, during or shortly. Yeah, I think it was during that meeting. And I had, I had teed the clients up for one thing and stuff changes, as you well know. Um, One of the things that holistic financial planners, even though I'm not currently working with clients, I live vicariously through other holistic financial planners in our network of about 200, well, 235 advisors around the country right now um, that did business or do business as I did. Um, And so, you know, we, we we're all over the last several years starting to really embrace um, this concept of of outsourcing to specialized participants. I know that's kind of an odd word, but Mm -hmm. those that are specialists in our industry and not the holistic folks um, that that we fill that role. Um, And so Michael, um, being the elder care specialist, he helped our clients with long-term care and Medigap kind of uh, health insurance issues, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at Medicare, which policy would be right and which supplemental policy you might need to add to that. Um, And I found that to be something that most people would prefer to do face to face. And we wanted that local connection. Mm -hmm. And we got people all over the country. And um, sometimes they do live in a hinterland like I do of a town of uh, 2000 people. Um, And so we do need to have these long, long distance um, uh, connections, but um, I'm I'm really delighted with the 
and bifurcation or well more than that it's you know we were talking earlier about the siloing of insurance products um, and that a human being or a household they need often something from each of those silos but how they get it delivered to them um, many times is we um, one contact actually has to set up um, to make sure all those connections get made so I, I'm a big fan of um, practitioners working together for the betterment of their client. And that's really how we can fulfill our fiduciary duty um, is by not trying to be an expert at everything, um, be an expert at what you can be, uh, what you want to be and what you're passionate about, and then find the other experts that can help build out that team. We don't have to have it all in-house. And that's what's so liberating about this. Yeah, no, and, and those have small firms. Yeah, well, and that's such great advice is um, a good portion of the insurance nerds audience are younger people in their career path. And, uh, you know, it's such a valuable lesson for them to learn is that, mm-hmm. you know, connect with other people and, yes. you know, learn what they do. Because, again, it's all about benefiting the client and finding those uh-huh. people be- because we can't all be specialists in right, all areas. Right, so, yeah. So. And, and one of the things I recommend um, to uh, new advisors joining our network, new, new planners, um, they, may be, they may have lots of decades of experience working as a financial planner or, or advisor in a dis- different business model. But we work with folks by, for our time. And um, so we do need to find um, those providers um, that can fill in the voids. You know, we sell, we sell advice and time. So we mm-hmm. get a fee for that advice. Um, but our clients also need products um, that we help identify um, or maybe specifically say, you know, I think you need this, this, and this, and this, and I want you to go to the specialist to get it filled. Um, now, as I learned through my colleague, Michael, um, the elder care specialist, he, what, now this wasn't like some kind of an um, arrangement we set up ahead of time, but subconsciously maybe we did, um, that his exchange for me thinking of him and him keeping me in the loop with, you know, the, the like he would clip articles about things on the subject of long-term care that he thought I needed to see. So he was my personal um, kind of keeping me in the news, uh, or not in the news, uh, uh, aware of the news, and making certain that I didn't look stupid in front of my clients, that I gave Mm -hmm. good, solid advice. But one time, um, you know, it's really easy to get out of date, Um, you know, products change, evolve, you know, with these new hybrid policies, which I'm really getting quite excited about personally. And, and I know, par, you know, some of, some of the insurance nerds are probably going, what? A fee-only mm-hmm. financial planner type is excited about insurance? Yeah, it's, we've changed. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, for the longest time, um, I, I've heard this, and, and it's legit that fee-only planners think that, you know, clients don't need anything else. Well, yeah, we do. Um, and I think that, that this whole notion of 
but you guys don't implement anything um, or something along those lines. That's another one that we hear. This is where insurance professionals, um, you know, the property and casualty, the elder care, the, you know, darn near everybody I meet doesn't have enough life insurance. Um, and then we a whole nother conversation about disability insurance. Um, none of us want to waste any client's money or time mm -hmm. or energy, but lo and behold, <laughs> I have rarely met a, a person that didn't have or that had enough coverage. Um, one of the books that you had mentioned on the intro, Tony, was. Um, um, I can't. I can't remember where we got into it, um, but I was doing some research on property and casualty coverage. I think this may have been for the personal finance workbook for dummies, um, and it was looking at property and casualty coverage. I think we may have even um, touched base about this a few years ago, um, but. <laughs> I kept running into situations where homeowners lost a home in California due to wildfire, mudslide, something like that, and the appreciation had gone up far faster than the policy they just bought five years before because of mm -hmm. the, you know, the prices changing so rapidly. Now, I'm, I was working in Kansas. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's my own punchline, and if anybody yeah. else wants to Google, please please feel free. Um, but, you know, we don't see those kind of housing swings. Um, you mm -hmm. know, it's just a nice little increase like this or, or, you know, slow and steady. We don't see the fluctuations that the coasts or certain pockets within the country do see within housing prices. And so someone like myself could have absolutely been caught off guard. I mean, if that was my client um, who was woefully under, underinsured to the point that they didn't even have enough coverage to cover the mortgage. I mean, this is severe um, failure of planning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How's that quote go in, in cool hand, Luke? <laughs> we have a failure to communicate. That's <laughs> um, it. That's um, it. Um, yeah, that would be a real failure to um, do the right thing for the client by not being fluent or aware of stuff that happens um, because we're not in that geo the geography, um, is not in our own backyard. Um, you know, if we have nationwide clients and um, we're not addressing these one-on-one -on -one situations. So that's, that's one of the other reasons why a local or um, a, uh, um, at least local representatives of a national presence or at least a local presence there to give us um, the kind of uh, guidance and expertise. Um, you know, every state's different. Um, mm -hmm. And then all these various lines of insurance are different. Um, we, um, financial planner types, whether or not we are licensed to sell insurance, we can still, and my group are not, um, a lot of, well, all fee-only financial planners like the NAPFA organization, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, which is, you know, pushing 400, or excuse me, 4,000 members. Um, our group, um, the XY Planning Network, um, the Alliance of Cam uh, Comprehensive Planners, and, and many others are fee-only uh, financial advisor networks or membership associations and all of us um, either don't have the legal authority 
um, due to licensing or consulting uh, licenses to um, either analyze or evaluate insurance products to their fullest extent. We definitely don't have the ability to provide them, you know, sell mm -hmm. the product and implement it. Um, and our clients need that. So it would be um, in everyone's best interest to work together on behalf of, of the client. And so we need these specialists. We need you all um, as financial advisors. It's a, well, it takes a village. Definitely. Well, and, and I think the key point that I'm hearing there is that it's looking at the products and services that the client needs rather than the products mm -hmm. and the services that you want to sell. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's been a big issue in the insurance industry. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's so unique about the work that Garrett Planning Network does and other financial advisors is because you're trying to answer that question of, mm -hmm. okay, instead of trying to get that square peg in a round hole, mm -hmm. you know, what do we have yeah. to fill? What are, yeah. what are those holes in the client's coverage? You know, when we review mm -hmm. the coverage, do they have the right uh, coverage to rebuild if something should happen rather than, you know, I need to sell them an auto insurance policy. Mm -hmm. well, maybe exactly. you don't need to sell them the auto insurance policy this year. So, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's so valuable. So, you know, how did you get into this, you know, cause this is not the typical way that the financial services industry <laughs> thinks Yes. How did you get here? I am atypical. That that would be my one of my highest compliments, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I launched my my well backing up just a step. I I got started in the industry in late um, eighty nine. 86, 87 time period with IDS, Ameriprise. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, it was one of the few places that, you know, you could get started in financial services if you had no background. And I had zero background. I mean, I might have had one semester of something in college that had anything to do with any of this. Um, you know, unlike many of the students graduating from certified financial planning programs and, and similar type educations in college. I came out of college with a, um, I, I enjoyed um, learning, but I studied sciences um, because that's what I was good at. And I wanted to have a job where I made a difference. Um, before I got out of college, I actually started working full time. I took the long road through my bachelor's mm -hmm. program. It took six years. Um, and uh, started working full time during that period and started like, hmm, maybe, maybe working in science lab tech type thing or, or any of that. I, I didn't have the, the um, whatever you want to call it, energy, passion, whatever it takes to be a medical doctor. Um, there's a lot of nurses in my my family, but I thought, you know, I have to be unique. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't just be a nurse. Um, you know, that would be very stereotypical for my family. So I want to be something different. Um, and so actually I thought I was going to go into physical therapy or something along those lines until I realized I'd have to have four, four semesters of calculus or something. And I changed majors in college just because of four semesters of calculus. Well, in other words, I bounced around not knowing what I wanted to do, um, 
But at the same time, I was reading Money Magazine cover to cover. I was reading mm -hmm. Bottom Line Personal because I wanted to understand this personal finance stuff. I was, you know, mutual funds were making it big time in the mid 80s. Um, and I was studying them in the early 80s, um, right after high school. And I, I just... I love the idea of becoming financially independent, knowing a lot of these things that had not been really publicly available until the, the, the kind of personal finance tsunami that hit in the 80s and 90s of awareness and, and so forth. So basically, I walked into what I learned later was a, a brand new emerging profession. We're still emerging in my book, um, mm -hmm. you know, 30 some years later um i you know we're still emerging but it's really cool to be part of the co-creation of this new and very very important um role in people's lives i mean one of the things i knew that i wanted tony is whatever i did for a living i needed to make a difference i needed mm -hmm. to when i when i walked away from my job at the end of the day i needed to know that you know if i didn't show up it would matter you know, I yeah. wasn't just some, I actually, you know, what I do would fall in the category of business mm -hmm. um, or entrepreneurship or something like that. The concept of business in high school and college, I mean, I even still roll my lip when I say it now. Mm. I, I'm a proud business owner, but if you would have talked to me about entrepreneurship, I would have gotten excited as a young person. Um, I'm still a young person, but I mean, as a high school, college age person i could have gotten really gung-ho about the entrepreneurship um of becoming an advisor but mm -hmm. it was all just kind of new and and uh and scary and um i was afraid to death of clients for my first eight and a half years after starting at ids i did uh, not want to have any face time with clients uh, I don't want to be the front person, um, is what I said, in, at least to myself. And mm -hmm. I interviewed with a number of different companies where I could find a behind-the-scenes role. Um, you know, I had completed my certified financial planner designation by that time, but that was like in 1991. And the mm -hmm. exam is so much ro more robust than that. I've taught, I've taught the investment segment of the course um, and one of my colleagues has taught the intro portion for several years at Kansas State University and um, um, just looking at the uh, the um, subsequent years of the uh, investment segment it got a heck of a lot more complicated I don't think that it was that my memory just faded I really do believe that the um, designation that the exam is a lot meatier and a lot more robust than it was when I took it. Plus, it was six parts when I took it, and now it's one part, um, which definitely makes a bigger deal. It's much more like the CF CPA exam or the CFA exam. Um, but um, once uh, I got into this industry and found what fit for me, I started at IDS. I was not um, somebody who could um, support themselves on transactional um, sales. Um, I was told by my manager, my district manager, and, and actually the team at IDS said, Cheryl, you would be such a great trainer. 
You know, when you mm. get somebody in front of you, you do so well. And I was really getting excited about the idea of, you know, moving into a training role. Um, but my production was so horrible because I couldn't make a cold call if my life depended on it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I mean, I, I understand um, that some people ha do that and they can do it and stuff, but I couldn't. Um, and so, believe it or not, I faked it. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't hit the last number when you dial, you know, so we're all, you know, there's like seven of us up in this bullpen and I was 24 years old. It's like 1987. Crash is, is happening and we're like, wow. That's pretty uh, exciting. I'm glad I don't have any clients yet. <laughs> because <laughs> if I had clients with money in it, it would be a big deal. But we were all so relatively new. Um, you know, I was I had been um, going through training with IDS about a year by that time when the market um, went down big time in in October of '87. But we were just you know young and to at least to speak for myself, blissfully ignorant of what I didn't know, but I was so hungry to, to learn more. Um, the firm did not want us to um, study the CFP or study anything other than sales and the products and what the company needed us to do. Um, but I needed to know more for my own comfort level um, to be able to like, talk to people. <laughs> So yeah. um, I, I am very, very grateful to have a start through IDS, um, but I also recognize that it wasn't a good fit for me. They were much more limited then as well compared to now uh, mm -hmm. as far as the product lineup and so forth and, and what kind of, you know, flexibility they can provide financial planning and so forth. But um, so after that, I, I definitely got hooked on, on what my notion of financial planning was, but I couldn't quite find the right home. And I bounced around from, you know, kind of being, um, uh, I don't think kind of, I was Girl Friday, um, <laughs> assistant to a, the only, um, uh, we didn't call it wealth manager or family office at the time, but that's what this oh, firm yeah. was doing, taking care of about 24 households. And I was balancing people's checkbooks and, and doing stock anal analysis and everything in between. So I really got a great education working for that gentleman. But I also started going, but what about the people who don't have a lot of money to deal with? And um, so I went to work at a couple of other firms um, uh, as an employee at the next one, um, got um, a lot more completed the more education, got a lot more confidence. And then I joined uh, what now we call a wealth management firm um, as a 50-50 partner. And mm -hmm. I stayed there for about three and a half years. And we, we had, my partner had an established firm, but got named on one of these lists. It happened to be the, the Worth Magazine uh, list of top 100 advisors the first time it came out. Um, so 1995 or somewhere about there, 1998, that time frame, 95, 94, mm -hmm. 95, something like that. Um, and so this gal got um, listed and she's like, I am so busy. Why don't you come help me? And so I joined her firm as a 50-50 partner and uh, um, 
I, I have to acknowledge that everything that I did, and, and I'm skipping a few positions, um, mm -hmm. but everything I did for the first basically 11 and a half years of my career um, was all in pursuit of finding what actually I would enjoy. Um, I enjoyed the notion of financial planning. Um, but I didn't actually meet it until I got to, you know, work with regular people on an hourly basis and char and sell my time and advice. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when I really, truly fell in love with it. Um, and I mean, I'm still smiling. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I found that by charging for my time, um, it does put the onus, onus of profitability and effectiveness, you know, on the, the advisor, but I feel that's appropriate. And um, as fiduciary, being able to do what I felt was in my client's best interest was, was a lot easier with um, being the boss, you know, without mm -hmm. having somebody say, Cheryl, you need to do this, this, and this before the end of this week. Um, you know, the clients are the, are the bosses um, for us. And then I have the opportunity to need to go out and find how to fulfill everything that the client needs. Um, and that's when we talk about the, the uh, specialized participants, um, you know, namely insurance, investment man ongoing investment management because i i no longer provided that at, at parts of my career i did and i actually mm -hmm. got into the uh, the cfa program chartered financial analyst program because i thought i wanted to be a mutual fund manager mm -hmm. i got over there uh, over that after about a year and a half but i did have that illusion for a while <laughs> and um, luckily i recognized that i really am much more of a holistic um um advisor and would like it to be that way. And I appreciate those who are much more um, specialized in their area. And I can turn to them like if someone came to and you know, I definitely had these ex um, examples of clients coming to me. And perhaps the situation was, um, we're, we're curious about, um, you know, maybe you know, would a CRUT or a family limited partnership or both be appropriate? Well, I, I knew enough about what those tools were um, to be able to say, and, and there were a couple of situations where the clients introduced or brought it up to me. Hey, Cheryl, do you think such and such would be appropriate for me? And it's like, yeah, actually, come to think of it. <laughs> so it's kind of embarrassed that the client had to bring it up. But, um, you know, at the same time, she was a retired professor. So I felt a little bit better there. Um, but it was like, yes, and that's a brilliant idea. Let me, let me um, do a little um, research and then we'll get together, you know, soon and talk about it. So I went back to my initial um, studies and I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's, the basics now I need to get some more and so I contacted one of my other um, must must have um, contacts of my specialized participants and that's an elder care attorney who actually um, used to speak at our financial planning um, um, uh, monthly meetings as an educator and I call and contacted Craig and um, you know, he provided me with the insights that I needed um, and said, yes, that does sound like a perfect uh, fit for that client. You know, sometimes like you'll meet the perfect situation for a defined benefit pension plan or, um, you know, 
this person should take a lump sum distribution from their retirement account versus the monthly pension paycheck. Um, um, when should they take Social Security distribution? So a lot of those things are the types of questions that we deal with as financial planners, um, and they don't have they don't have products involved. And um, one of the things I want to make crystal clear to the audience is. I very strongly feel that professionals should be paid for their work. Um, and um, the, the reason I chose to be an hourly advisor is simply because I wanted to be available for those that didn't have substantial assets to manage. I didn't want to have to charge AUM. In fact, I discontinued it and no longer offered it. I went strictly mm -hmm. hourly. Um, clients also don't want a meter that all automatically runs so they needed to know what to expect and so i quoted yeah. in the actual time anticipated but also separately recognizing that you know think of me as your um you know your your advocate your financial advocate and i'm going to help you put together um a, a plan of action to accomplish all the things that you've shared with me um, that you're trying to do and we're going to have to bring in some experts um, in various areas, um, you know, whether that be regarding the stock options and the taxation on those that I don't want to deal with because I'm really not mm -hmm. your expert on that, um, or if it's, um, you know, perhaps a, a, a more complex estate planning issue, I've got those people. Um, we need to, um, we need to fill that uh, irrevocable life insurance trust with um, a large life insurance policy. I need to get that filled. So I really um, love being in a trusted role of helping the client pull all of these pieces together because um, very much like dieting or exercise, you're eating right and exercise, money management, it's kind of all the same. Many of mm -hmm. us know what we should do but we need somebody to help us make it happen. And I see that as the financial planner's role. Um, but then the financial planner themselves needs to turn often um, and oftentimes with the same client to outside professionals to, you know, be able to completely fill the bill. Yeah, well, I, I think probably the most important thing you said there is, well, you, you said a lot of important things. I shouldn't say the most important <laughs> thing, but, you know, just the, the one word to focus on is help is uh, mm -hmm. that it's all about help. How can you best help people? Um, mm -hmm. And with your career transition and your focus yes. is first you were, you know, finding where you fit and so many people entering, uh, you know, professional services, I guess, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it today are going to go to so many different things that, you know, finding what you like and what your talents are and, yeah. you know, how you can help people is really what it's about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how you work with other professionals. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to get into one more deep question with you uh, is, you know, we've talked offline uh, a lot about women in uh, the mm -hmm. financial services community. And I know that younger women I've spoken with oftentimes feel not quite alienated is not mm -hmm. quite the right word, but, you know, mm -hmm. how do you feel? How, how can women, you know, make a difference? How can they, uh, you know, 
succeed in the financial services industry. Um, thanks for bringing that up, Tony. Um, I don't have all the answers, that's for sure. One of the things that, um, you know, that helping profession, I think definitely when women can see themselves in roles that they feel like that, um, you know, men and women just, or female male, I, uh, we all have, um, hopefully, we all have some of those characteristic traits of both male and female. And, it, you know, I hate to stereotype, but, but, <laughs> then she mm -hmm. goes off and does it. Um, but, you know, if you think about, um, if we want to think of, of men at, at the highest level and women at the highest level when it comes to, to money and, and um, what money means to men in their lives and, and women, and oftentimes for men, uh, these are no judgments at all. These are just kind of generalization statements, but it's important to think about is for men, it may be power or status. For women, it may be security. Mm -hmm. Those are, are often, you know, quite different. Um, um, they might mean the same thing, you know, like if I have, if I have everything, co you know, covered, financially, you know, if I have a big pile of money, I feel um, a level of prestige, I feel a level of power, and my wife is feeling secure, you know, so it might get solved in the same way, but it's the emotions um, that we need to address, and I don't care, folks, when you hear people arguing that but they got the best return. You know, that's not, fiduciary doesn't say it has to be the cheapest thing or the best return or whatever. It says you have to do what's in the best interest of the clients. And if that means harmony at home and the, the ability to see, sleep comfortably, even if it means a little less return, but a lot more comfort, then that's the right thing. And so it's a lot of art versus science. And, and that's when I see women um, can be um, really extraordinary at this because of their probing, the nurturing mm -hmm. skills, the types of questions, the consultative nature that a lot of women feel quite natural, um, especially through a support situation. Um, I attended... Um, or have um, a handful of times, and it's a great conference if anybody listening hasn't been to this, the Institute of Certified Divorce Financial Analysts. Um, I know there's more than one um, uh, organization um, for, you know, divorce specialization um, and training, but um, I went to their conference, and looking out at the audience, just eyeballing, I'd say it was probably about 60, 65% women. And men who really um, feel quite comfortable with that consultative role. And um, um, it, was, it was great. And also in financial life planning conferences. Um, and when we start looking at financial wellness. And, you know, outside of how do you get, um, you know, the best investment return as fast as possible, when you move outside of those subject areas, you start seeing a lot more women. Um, we were talking about a, a, a fellow mutual friend of ours um, just before we got on this conversation, 
her name also is Cheryl, spelled the same, S-H-E-R-Y-L. And uh, um, so, you know, I, it's Cheryl Brown. She's doing some mm-hmm. great things in, in females and finance. And, and Tony is, is on one of the, uh, um, what, what is officially the category um, or the, the, the team that you're helping to be on? Uh, man, Male Ally Network. Uh, it just That's decided. right. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, I, I like it. It's clever. Um, yeah, and just as a side note, is. Cheryl is going to be a guest on the podcast uh, probably in about a month for oh, those who excellent. the podcast. So. Uh-huh. And, so you know, so I think it's, I think it's fabulous when we start recognizing there's so many of us in this industry um, and there's so many different clients and client needs. And so, you know, trying to be everything to everybody, nobody can, nobody wants to in real life. I mean, at first when, when you're supposed to, you know, go out and get as much business as possible, you think so. But really um, finding those, those right fit, you know, when, when I started um, being able to work with the types of people that I felt most, most comfortable with, um, it would be basically like my neighbors, my friends, the people I grew up with. Um, my father um, was raised in a, with a very poor background, and he met a uh, woman in, in high school who had a car. I mean, she was hot yeah. stuff. That's my parents. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, just almost seventy years later, they're they're um, still doing great as a as a wonderful couple. But uh, you know, they came from very very different financial um, places in their worlds, and it was hard on my mother's father to to ever feel that my dad could could take care of her um, yeah. as he could, and and uh, so it was really interesting. But these are some of the things that we're moving into, and as uh, one of our longtime female leaders in this industry once said, um, I'm not going to name names just (laughs) for her own protection, but it was a, it was a beautiful quote. So, um, (laughs) beautiful in a horrible way. Not, it's not meant horrible, but it's true. It's like we were expressing some frustration about something at one point. She said, but people die. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the point is, you know, stuff changes. We evolve. Yeah. Um, the industry evolves. Um, you know, folks, we have been uh, insurance. Um, the parts of insurance have been the same for hundreds of years. But there's elements of insurance that are changing, like these new hybrid policies and um, longevity insurance and things like that, that are almost brand new to many of us or relatively mm-hmm. brand new. Um, and um, then you take another chunk of the financial planning um, arena, maybe retirement plans or employee benefits or tax or, um, you know, all these other areas, including investments. And, and um, you know, there's just too much for any, any one human being to be able to, to handle capably. Um, and so when it gets down to it, I think it's communication. You know, mm-hmm. what is it that you want? What is you're trying to accomplish? How best can we do it? Um, and what I found and I'm loving um, is sometimes um, and some of my favorite stories to share when I've worked with um, clients or even just had conversations with people after I discontinued working with individual clients and now I'm, I'm exclusively working with advisors. Um, but I still talk to the public periodically um, and to find that I have some things that 
they can, can be very valuable to them. One of my favorite stories um, as far as to try to identify, you know, what the heck is a financial planner versus a money manager or versus, you know, some kind of other financial advisor. Um, probably 10 or so years ago, I was at a, a book talk, um, one of these books that I co-authored or, or participated in or wrote, whatever, um, came out. And I was in Minneapolis area at a bookstore, um, an independent bookstore. And in the back of the bookstore, they have a, a little gathering room and 10 or 12 of us were, were in that area. I had chatted for a few minutes about the book that had come out, and I asked the audience if they had any, any questions um, about anything that they had heard or anything they might want to ask a financial advisor type or financial planner. And um, one lady shared that she was 52 years old, and um, she had a little over $50,000 to invest, and she wanted to know how I thought she should invest it for retirement. Well, you know, you could jump right in and say, you know, you could set up a mutual fund or set up an account with such and such. But, you know, really, that probably wasn't the point um, or not the, the issue that we should focus so much on. And so I, I step back and I ask her, this, this, was, this whole thing took like 10 minutes. I ask her, um, you know, what is it you do for a living? And tell me a little bit about your family. Come to find out she's a, she had been a single mom for a long, long time. Um, both of her daughters are in college. The first one is a brand new freshman. The eldest one is a junior. And earlier in the year, uh, or just a few months prior, she was in, um, at the counselor's office enrolling the, the second one into college. And she started looking through the college um, application or the offering materials and career path stuff for herself at 52. Mm. Wow. Um, she was working in a part-time position making $13,000 a year. And wow. they made ends meet. These people are miraculous. I have goosebumps just thinking about what they were able to accomplish. Never, you know, had support other, you know, they took care of themselves and did really well. Mm -hmm. They lived on the bus line. So, you know, and so um, she shared the story that, you know, when she was a young woman, she, or a little girl um, and a young woman, she wanted to be a nurse. And um, she went to college and she was in college her first year, met her soon-to-be husband. They got married. She dropped out of college. She had two children. And here we are several yeah. decades later. Um, so she had one year of college under her belt. Now she's had been a single mom most of that time, it sounded like. And I asked her, is there any way that you could go full-time with this employer? Um, and, you know, what does that seem like to you? And she's like, oh, that's not an option. I'd have to have a master's degree to go full time. Mm. Um, and I said, what would you really like to do? And that's when she shared she'd like to be an RN. And so, you know, I, uh, she said, so what do you do? What do I do with this money? And I said, well, if I were you, you're living on $13,000 a year, you know, gross income coming in or household income coming in. So after tax, take that money. This is not in a retirement plan. So it was set aside for her nest egg, but she didn't have a retirement account. It was just in a, in a taxable account. I said, take that money and spend that no more than you already currently are to support your lifestyle. Um, 
just pay the rent, you know, uh, pay mm-hmm. your expenses and borrow as much money as possible and, and get as many grants as possible. With three of you in the same household in college at the same time, it cannot get any better than this with no income and three students. So apply for as much grant and aid as possible. And then, okay, so you're going to be 55 years old and an RN. And all of a sudden, she just poofs up and with this pride and, and, you know, almost like, oh, my gosh, she could see it, envision this. And she's like, oh, my goodness. And the other people, there were a handful of others in this chat, and they said, yeah, and signing bonuses at the hospitals are over $5,000, and at clinics, you know, a little less than that. And she's like, yes, I would love to work at a clinic, ideally, but a hospital would be great. And I said, do you think you could do this for 10 years? And she goes, oh, my God, Cheryl, if I could be a nurse, what I've always wanted to dream to. I mean, I'm talking about dreams of maybe a 16-year-old here mm-hmm. or whatever, 14-year-old. And she's finally able to see them fulfilled just 40 years later. So she went to school to become an RN with that nest egg. It would be really easy to say, go invest it. And keep Mm -hmm. on keeping on. But that wasn't the issue. Human capital here. Taking that money and investing in her. After graduation, estimated pay, and this is from the community members in the the chat. They said, RNs make starting salary between $45,000 and $55,000 a year plus amazing benefits. This woman had been making thirteen with no benefits. So can you do this for... 10 years. I'll do this until I drop. She started crying. This is what makes me love what I do. And that's, that is why I love the freedom of getting able to charge for my time instead of the product that fits. Because in this equation, there was no product. It was, don't even invest it. Invest, well, yeah, invest it, but invest it in you, in your education. And, you know, sometimes it's not so easy to just, that's the answer. But with that situation, I think that really illuminates the difference between what a holistic financial planner or financial life planner might be thinking and what your stereotypical financial planner or investment advisor might think um, when asked a similar question. And so I, I love the holistic nature and, and uh, really looking at all resources um, and, you know, like the home. And I had one client, um, actually it was a prospective client. She wanted to hire me, but you know, she was, she was already cash flow short and we talked about an income, you know, turning her home into having an income suite. Um, and I, I gave her some contacts at our county extension agency that actually help pair um, older people with able-bodied uh, folks that can help um, out with some of the care and maintenance of the home or the um, homeowner. And actually, that was the solution that she needed at the time. So it was county resources and just thinking outside the box. Um, so that's what I think makes this extra fun. But also, we have to know um, who our resources are, how to tap in 
to um, know what kind of um, tools uh, and um, strategies that we could um, get into and how to find these people. Um, uh, so, Tony, how do we find those experts? Uh, you got some <laughs> suggestions? I have a well, couple of what I tell planners to do, but I'd like well, the, the, uh, the insurance specialist to know. Well, I, I think uh, the way I've met people over the years is just to um, connect with people and to listen. Uh, uh-huh. That listening is the best skill we can practice. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I met you. I've met uh-huh. so many people across the industry. And I, I've been fortunate enough, the majority of my consulting practice, which I've wound down over the last year, is consulting for financial advisors. And, uh-huh. uh you know, so yeah. I've been fortunate enough to be able to connect with people that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, gosh, there's so much and there's so much more we could talk about, but I, I think we need to wrap up. Uh, and but I everything. think one thing I want to, I want to stress on this is that it's, it's a lot more collaborative in our, in our industry. Mm-hmm. Where specialists and um, whole, uh, generalists like myself um, and my colleagues in in our network and and peers, um, I think we're a lot more open minded to, you know, I know we have been guilty of saying, you know, uh, some people no annuities, no whatever insurance, you know, I'm just clamming up on all of that, or you know, none of those kind of investments or whatever. Um, a lot of us are recognizing that um, we cannot accomplish what we need to do without working in tandem with the right kind of experts. And um, so, um, you know, we're all learning. <laughs> we are changing and growing and outsourcing more and more. And so I think that's, that's the big takeaway I'd like people to hear on this is that um, we're all in the same industry um, and we want the same outcome is a great experience for the client um, and to fill those needs, um, provide for what people need. And so simply an invitation that, yeah, um, some of us who had been um, um, probably mistaken or not, not mistaken, but rightfully accused of being closed-minded, we're not so much that way anymore. And we are very much open um, or need to be. Um, so just keep at it. Um, we need to be um, educated as you specialists can help us to become. And we can, um, oftentimes we are in contact with a lot of the, um, um, you know, clients and, and uh, um people from the community that we might be able to serve. And so, you know, without us connecting, um, you know, we're really missing out. And, and, you know, Tony did, you did a great job in reaching out to me through LinkedIn. Um, and it, it, it's been years that we first uh, connected, but I would encourage all that are <clears throat> listening to this message is, um, you know, you have important um, um, skills and um, uh, subject matter expertise that others need and want. Um, and we're much more open-minded than we ever have in the past. So please give us a second or 18th chance. And with <laughs> well, that, um... <laughs> well, I love that because it is all about helping people and it's all that, that each of us brings mm-hmm. a unique 
outlook and skills and perspective uh, to the table. So Cheryl, I mean, the last and most important question is where can people learn more about what you're up to and to stay in touch with you? Oh, sure. Um, well, I'm, I, I am on Facebook and LinkedIn um, and uh, the Garrett Planning Network. Um, it's G-A-R-R-E-T-T, uh, GarrettPlanningNetwork.com. And uh, we're in process of updating the front part of our website. So it'll look different if you check in today and you check in a few months from now. But um, regardless, come and meet us, uh, reach out and connect with us. Um, we're always looking for uh, for um, you know, the right kind of people and the right connections and, and the right companies and the right solutions. I mean, I can't believe, but, you know, I own a couple of products that I said I would, you know, never think that I would even consider for a client. I own them myself. Oh. Um, and so it was a combination between raising my understanding and education on the subject. And also some of these tools have improved, <laughs> you know, if there's, yeah. I don't think any of us would deny that. Um, and um, uh, next for my bucket list is, and well, not, you know, as far as financial planning, a longevity annuity. Um, the, the, the women and the women in my family live a long time. And uh, so you know, longevity annuities, um, I think, and I'm also really, really high on um, um, hybrid policies um, that have a long-term care and life insurance or annuity benefit, depending on the, what the client needs. But as I mentioned earlier, everybody I've met needs life insurance. Um, so having a hybrid policy that could work as life insurance and or long-term care might really fit, um, certain cases, but also a longevity annuity. Um, you know, there's a lot of these products that for some advisors would be brand new, um, for others, you know, I'm speaking to the choir and I'm out of, I'm out of date, but um, I'm, I'm telling you what a lot of my peers know and feel about things. So um, it, your role is critical. And then bringing up property and casually, that's a whole nother thing. Um, we need, let me know when you're doing um, uh, more education and podcasts um, on property and casualty insurance. I'll bring the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> because um, you know we we need we 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 could use uh, more um, insurance nerd education uh, in those areas as well. Um, but yeah. I I think it's yeah yeah we're nerds so whatever. But <laughs> these we're getting some really really cool tools um, and strategies out there. Um, but sometimes the plain vanilla stuff is exactly what we need. Um, but even if you got plain vanilla. Um, uh, I assure you that financial advisor probably needs that, um, that connection and that education that you can provide. So, um, you know, we, we all can help fulfill the client's needs by working together. Oh yeah. Well, definitely. Well, thank you so much. And I, I know the insurance nerds community would welcome you as a uh, part of it with your invaluable insight. And I'd like to thank you so much uh, for joining me today, Cheryl. It's been a pleasure as always. My pleasure, Tony. Great to talk thank to you, you again. Yeah. Thanks, so, and thanks everybody. And uh, please remember to subscribe to the Get Ready with Tony Stewart podcast. Have a great day until next time. Absolutely.